Okay, cue the spooky music. Then there's the crash of lightning. Welcome, ghouls and goblins, to a special Halloween edition of your favorite podcast, Guts and Glitter. A podcast dedicated to the occult power of women's wrestling. I'm your host, Horror Lee R. Paget. I'm joined by PWI contributor Kristen Slashley and my regular co-host M. Fear. Fear. I guess. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I don't want you to spookify that one. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a gimmick. No, no. I'm living spooky life 24/7, baby. 365. Every day my spooky my spooky vibes are up. So. Uh, Yes, you don't have to specify my name because I am already consistently specified. Love it. Some kind of care, I've got a video on I kind of wish they were there. I just forgot what I said. Every couple weeks, it's like the song is on the beat. I kind of wish you to see that you don't want to miss with me. Because I am pink as skeleton and my blood is clearly. In honor of Halloween, in honor of this being our annual Halloween spooktacular, we wanted a really spooky, scary topic. And what is scarier than a list of ranked women? <laughs> so scary. Apparently, anyway, I had fun, but, you know. I mean, if you're the PWI staff after releasing these lists, maybe that's a pretty scary time because yeah, inundated with messages of how wrong people think you are. And oh yeah, yeah. Defend every single choice on a list of 150 names. They <laughs> under a month following having to do the same thing for five. I mean, Kristen, like you guys, the dust has just settled from the 500, and then you guys are like, I know what we'll do. We will stir the pot again. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about the 500 is I have my assignment, right? I uh, make sure that women are getting on the list. They're where they're should be you know i'm that's what i'm doing at the committee meeting now yes i i do uh give my thoughts and opinions on the guys you know like i argued for jy at a certain spot but primarily that's my job so when this whole stuff came out with the 500 uh i didn't really worry about that because like (laughs) you know i i just worry about the women right and and so then with this list i was a little surprised i thought it was going to be um like, it was pretty even, but I thought it was going to be more positive. <laughs> but that's silly, right? Because, of course, of course, you know, you can't please everybody. And those are usually the loudest people. So. Wait until yeah, Toxic Attraction point. tops the Take Team 50. People are going to flip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. And we can talk about Mandy Rose, too. But, um, you know, I, I guess, I, I mean, I knew she was going to be, like, it was going to be contested. And I thought she was a little low but it is a vote by committee and i didn't think it was that much lower than she should have been you know um but that's i mean we can talk about it but you know (laughs) i did think that her tweet was in kayfabe i thought that was mandy rose the character kind of uh responding i hope i don't think i even saw it i don't think i saw the tweet well she said she got robbed basically that was it yeah that sounds very much like a but I think, I, Harley, I think you're on this one there. I think it's, I think that's within kayfabe. Okay, so this week, once again, it was the PWI Women's 150, the second annual Women's 150, but the 15th annual PWI Women's List. From 2008 to 2017, it was the Female 50, and from 2018 to 2020, it was the Women's 100. Based on how many notable women didn't make the cut this year, I got we're, we got to be getting up to the women's 200 in the next year or two for sure. Yeah, I mean, so this year, like our primary um, goal was to extend the tag team list because um, one, we want to separate the tag teams from the singles a little bit more. Like in the future, um, tag team competition won't count at all in the singles list um, just to clear it up. And also because 
50 tag teams was like a very small percentage of the tag teams out there. And that's the um, AEW roster the, right there. Right, exactly. So, so that was the focus was to extend that. And we didn't want to like confuse people by doing too much in one year. Um, but yeah, I mean, this year was even harder because Canada was back and UK was fully back. And uh, we left off a lot of people that I really, really wanted to be on there. So eventually, yeah, I mean, it's it's in discussion down the road for sure. But um, it's just getting harder to to actually rank everybody you want to. Anytime you have any sort of ranked list from anybody, there's going to be people, there's going to be naysayers arguing and saying, oh, they should have been higher, they should have been lower. What? Who? I've never heard of this person. Why is she number one? <laughs> so refresher listeners. What are the criteria for ranking on the PWI Women's 150? Yeah, so, um, you know, so we don't get these written out in like a day. So these the evaluation period is from um, October 1st of last year until September 15th of this year. It's a couple weeks less than a year just because of print schedules. And we didn't want to get it too mixed in with the 500. If we get them too close, people get confused. Um, ranking criteria includes influence. So that's influence um, on the industry, outside of the industry, on the fans. So representation in ring achievement. So that's your stats, you know, your um, matches, uh, number of matches, um, you know, titles, title reigns, the length of those titles, rings, that kind of thing. Um, technical ability. So just I mean, some of that is subjective, but typically most people agree on what is good wrestling. Um, activity, they had to have a minimum of 10 matches total or six and six months. So um, if somebody had like a couple blank months, as long as they got one in six months. Um, and then quality and breadth of competition. So strength of competition. So were they wrestling like newer people, um, people who maybe just broke in or were they wrestling like, you know, title holders, top notch people, people who've been around for a while. Um, and some of the other stuff that comes into is just, you know, like, like, for instance, Thunder Rosa, you know, running her own um, promotion, which I guess could be influenced, but that's sort of outside of it. Uh, but that's generally what we try to stick to. And we always start with stats first. Yeah, the biggest thing, which a lot of people who are just casuals who just don't pay attention or read these things seem to forget, is that it's a kayfabe list for the most part. It's not a list of who's the best wrestler on the planet right now. It's ostensibly who was pushed the most consistently in the last 12 months kind of thing. Like, who's the biggest D, Who's the biggest star in WWE? Not like, oh, I think she's a better wrestler. It's like, well, that's cool. So do I. But that's, that's, not, <laughs> what we're, that's not what we're talking about here. Right. And the reason that they don't do it, I mean, at least now, I don't. I can't speak for before, but the reason you can't really do that is because it's subjective who's the best wrestler. The easiest way that you can cause an objective list is by using stats. And unfortunately, those stats are as a result of a booker, um, not, you know, not them themselves. And that's where we kind of we, we tell fans, you know, this isn't us telling so and so that they're a bad wrestler. It's just that it wasn't they weren't pushed this year. It's a very small snapshot in time. Yeah, and I mean, if someone is injured, it takes them out for the majority of that time period. That's not on anyone. That's not saying they're not a good wrestler or even that they didn't do good wrestling within a calendar year. It's just saying because of the criteria we have and because of how many women we have that fit in this criteria, we have to be a little picky. We do have to like we have to either drop a person down on the list or take them off completely because they just they aren't as eligible as other people. Right. Exactly. So this year, the big news, obviously, is that we had our first person from stardom at number one. World, she's still World of Stardom champion? Suri. WWE held the top spot every year from 2014 to 2021. So this is breaking a long streak, basically since NXT kind of took over mm -hmm. WWE has run the game yeah <laughs> yes I'm, I think total there's only like four or five including this year that were not WWE so yeah they've ruled the list prior, yeah. prior to that uh, WWE takeover in 2014 
it was actually pretty even split the first six years. We had two from WWE, we had two from TNA, and we had two from the Indies. This is like, so this is a big return to form, but this is also notable being that Suri is the first person on the list to rank not for the work that she did in America, because she hasn't done any work in America. Like when Asuka won, it was for her work in WWE. When Madison Eagles won, it was for wrestling on the American Indies. But this is someone outside of America taking the top spot for the first time, which is huge. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to like how popular Joshi's really getting worldwide. She is the first wrestler signed to a Joshi promotion that is that is top in the list. It's a huge it's a huge year, regardless of you know what some people say. It's a big year. Well, so and the big difference, I, I, uh, I guess between because it, it was a neck and neck race more or less, I'm guessing between Suri and Bianca Belair. Following the criteria that you listed before, Suri probably had more consistent of a year. She was champ almost the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas Bianca, I don't follow WWE at all. I'm sorry, Bianca was without the title <laughs> for a while, right? Yeah, I think she maybe had it for half half the period, roughly, because um, she lo- I think she lost it and she gained it. I don't. It was it was very off and on for her, and like it, it was hard. It was very hard. We have a four hour meeting typically four plus hours for the first draft of this 150. We'll get through it, and then later we are like so we spend a month, you know, just adjusting it. Um, and we spent over an hour <laughs> just on Shuri versus Bianca. Um, we all played devil's advocate. We all talked about it. We all played sides. And even after the committee, we were still talking about it. And what it came down to was that Shuri on paper had a better year. Um, because, you know, Bianca still is a star. She's the star over there. Um, she still has a great influence. She still works well without, uh, with, you know, from wrestling, right? She does stuff outside of wrestling. But Shuri just, you know, she had way more matches. Um, Bianca, half her matches were from house shows, which they still count, but not as much. Um, the titles, Shuri had three titles, you know, um, so the title reigns were longer too. Uh, you know, and her, her strength of competition was a lot better than Bianca's just because she was wrestling the same people over and over again. And, um, that, that sort of hurts that, but it was still very neck and neck for different reasons. And stardom, especially this year, I mean, their stature, every year we say this, but their stature is going even bigger because they're becoming even more integrated with New Japan, with New Japan adding a women's championship and everything else. Yeah, I feel like if you ask knowledgeable wrestling reporters and journalists and critics and podcasters, they'll tell you like, oh, where's the best women's wrestling on the planet right now? It's in Joshi Wrestling and who's number one Joshi at stardom. Right. And I think a lot of wrestlers would say that too. I mean, it speaks to the fact that many wrestlers are clawing their way to get to stardom to train so many, you know, and, and that speaks too of how respected they are. And they just started in 2013. So, I mean, they're going to just blow up. I mean, they're back in the States too. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a really cool um, evolution to see them. So 15 years in, we've still yet to have any woman top the PWI women's list twice. I thought, yeah. I thought Bianca was going to do it. I thought Bianca, honestly, going in might be the first two-timer. But no, we remain elusive. It's expected, right? Because it is just one year. I think if we, first off, it would be a nightmare. But I think if we took stats from everyone all of their career it would be a very similar list every single year um but that that's exactly what it is it's a snapshot in time so the lists are going to differ greatly you might have someone around the same spot like last year utami was second so stardom and wwe you know top two dogs but um that's the nature of wrestling is you just never know who's going to get pushed next or who's going to drop a title or any of that it's yeah, it's going to change a lot. And I'm kind of glad it does because I think a lot of women deserve the spotlight and this way it sort of refreshes. Is that something though that you're cognizant of when you're putting together, especially the top 10, and you are having these debates between 
you know, a couple of wrestlers who could occupy that number one spot. Is there a temptation to factor in the fact that someone was number one the previous year? Um, I mean, sort of. So we keep we do keep track of the rankings because it's not typical unless, like we've said, there's an injury or they're not like on TV a lot or something like that. and They're not pushed that they're going to be so vastly different because there's not like this huge surgence of new wrestlers. So, you know, you're going to see like certain WWE stars, for instance, near the top because that's who they're pushing at the time. Um, so we do keep track of it because I think if you had like, if you had Bianca Blair number two one year and then suddenly she's like at 140, I mean, we do keep it in mind, but at the end of the day, it really is just about stats and, and our criteria. So, I mean, if somebody falls that low, well, that that's because of the criteria. It's not really, well, she was number two, so now she's got to be here. It's, I mean, we keep track of it, just like we keep track of between 500 and, and the 150, because if certain women are on the 500, they're usually also on the 150. Um and it's not taken into account, but we do keep track of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a testament to the nature of wrestling now, too. When so many events are televised per year, the top wrestlers are wrestling on so many shows that it's tough to hang on to that number one spot mm-hmm. every year. I, I mean, we haven't had a man. OK, Roman was number one this year, and he was also number one in 2016. But the men's list has been around since 1991, and there have only been three men to hold number one back-to-back. That was Brett, 93-94, Stone Cold, 98-99, and Cena, 2006-2007. Since then, no, no man, whether in WWE or New Japan or anywhere else, has been able to like hang on to that spot for a full two years in a row. It's just too, it's too much competition. Yeah, and the thing is, like, we've had with the women longer title reigns than I think usual, like, you know, with Sherry with just so long, and even on the men's list this year, just huge title reigns, super long title reigns, and that's not really all that typical to have it, like, a year plus. I mean, it's pretty pretty atypical, so that doesn't help either <laughs> like i mean if you if you want a constant refresh you need to change titles more often and some places do that and some do not um and yeah i mean that, that definitely plays a role in this for sure all right i went through all 15 years of pwi women's list i got a bunch of stats let's talk about them and uh discuss how things shaped up and what it means for the wrestlers on the list i guess that's coming from Harley R. Paget. Why I never. Category number one, biggest climbs. These are the top three people who rose the ranks. They, they ranked last year somewhat low. They ranked this year pretty high. Mm-hmm. Third, Tony Storm went from 121 to 25. Second, Frankie Monet went from 126 to Taya Valkyrie at number 10. And biggest climb this year was Liv Morgan from 137 to 17. Wow. Of those three, I guess Liv is the most interesting. Like, Taya and Tony, they climbed so much higher because they got a new setting. They both left NXT, WWE, they went to AEW, they went to Impact in the Indies, and now's a chance to really, like, rebuild their credibility and do new stuff. Liv, what changed for Liv this year, Kristen? Uh, well, she was used. A ton more like I mean <laughs> like just looking at the numbers now I mean she's been used this year alone um if you count October 94 94 matches I mean she's been used so much more and that could be because some people are not you know being active on the roster right now or whatnot um but she was used a ton she got a title push um she got a character push even though maybe it's not true to who she is but you know she got she got a little nice push. She got the title for a while. Um, again, titles, they do matter, especially in WWE because it's so visible. Um, she just was way more active and way uh, more appreciated in, in the division. Okay. The biggest falls from 2021 is, of course, the inverse. These are the three people who were the highest last year and tumbled the furthest without falling off the list altogether. Third is Chris Statlander who fell from 26 to 125. 
Second is Shotzi Blackheart, who went from 30 to 137, and the biggest fall on the list. Damage Control's EO Sky. Number eight last year, number 126 this year. So and we're not even counting people who were on the list last year and aren't on the list this year. No, that's a separate category. These are people, so these three, yeah, that's a testament. They still managed to rank in the top 150. They're just a lot, lot lower than the year before, which is maybe the cyclical nature of things. Like last year, EO was still NXT champ for a good period of time. And then almost immediately after the women's list came out, did a whole lot of nothing for a long, long time there before damage control stuff started. And that would have been like right near the end of the window, too too late to really make a, a difference or an impact on this year's list. Yeah, I mean, she was gone for three months of this list, and that that does make a difference, um, especially if you're slated for Maine. She didn't compete a whole ton. Um, I mean, she did qualify. It was probably barely over 10, um, but, you know, she just wasn't used a ton, and it wasn't until... Bailey came back and Dakota came back that they suddenly were like, oh, and this also is a great example of what we say when we say this is a snapshot in time and not indicative of the type of wrestler they are. She's incredible, but she wasn't being used. And it doesn't mean that she didn't, she's not great. It's just she didn't have that great of a year because of those reasons. And with damage control being such a focal thing right now, with Chris Statlander being lined up, against Jade Cargo before she got injured. I don't know what's happening with Shotzi right now, but with Triple H back in charge, I suspect all three of these women are going to rebound considerably next year and be much higher again. Yeah. I mean, I think if I look at EO's last year, she had, what, like 12 or some 13 matches, maybe top. And she's gotten, she's already gotten more than that, like twice that already. So um, yeah, I mean, as long as they're being pushed, I mean, they'll they'll rise, especially especially EO, especially Shotzi. I mean, I can't imagine Shotzi not being pushed. No, not at all. I, yeah, I think it just becomes this looking question of like, there were so many shifts late in the game in your in your in the period of time this list encompasses. So it's going to be really interesting to see which names, especially when we especially WWE specifically, like. It's going to be interesting to see where those shifts happen again in 2023 based on who's holding the book right now. Yeah, it's an exciting time. And, you know, we've got like MLW, we really couldn't. I mean, we did factor that in with Taya Valkyrie, but there are some who just weren't as active. Um, and, and, you know, there's going to be some maybe not great changes. It depends. Like NXT UK is gone. So, I mean, the women are, are being very active over there in the Indies, but it might hurt them a little bit. You know, so it, like it just it's like any given Sunday, but for wrestling, you know. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the newcomers on the list. The top five highest debuts. These are women who had never ranked in the previous 14 years, but this time they made it. In fifth, it is Thecla. Is that how you pronounce it? Tecla. Tecla. Yeah, L D H. At number 69. Viva Van at number 50, JC Jane of Toxic Attraction at 49, Dark Silhouetta at 38, and the highest debut this year, Kristen, do you know this one? Off the top of your head? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Shoko Nakajima at number 29. Really? Wait, this was was Shoko's debut? On the PWI list, yep. Yeah. Oh, crazy. I don't know why I just assumed, but (laughs) that's rad. Yeah, when I was doing all those graphics, um, like f- figuring out the 32 women that had debuted, I there's a couple of them. I'm like, come on, there's no, she's ranked and she she hasn't. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the availability of TJPW right now um, is a lot bigger. They really are doing a great job of promoting their women and crossing borders and all that stuff. Um, she she hadn't had a, a title between 2019 and, and 2022, so obviously getting the title again certainly helped. Um, and having this this feud with some of the top women over there that that didn't hurt either. I mean, she really came into her own this year. Um, 
I mean, frankly, I thought she she should have probably been ranked earlier. But, you know, Kevin takes over and <laughs> and and we see all sorts of more women on the list. So I'm so happy that she was on it. And Dark Silhouette from CMLL, I believe. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm not familiar with her at all, but that's a concerted effort from you and the whole team to really make the list a national list too. Try to try to include a lot of notable people outside of America. Like there are a couple of Canadian women on this list who I've never heard of before ranking in the in the lower hundreds, but still. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with um, Pat Laprade, who's on the committee. Who, uh, you know, he's just super. Uh, he lives in Canada, right? So of course he knows a lot of the can- Canadian women. I'll say that I don't follow a lot of the Canadian wrestling. Just, I mean, frankly, they haven't been very active lately, but. That, that changed this year. So it's something that I want to keep track of. But yeah, I mean, Dark Silhouette, the thing with Mexico, too, is that they it was so hard to stream them. It's still it's still a little hard, but it's getting easier. And they're sending their women over here a lot more. Um, she's been around for 16 years. I mean, she's no newbie, but we really didn't either have a chance to see what they could do or it just we didn't have a lot of people on the ground over there or it was just hard to, to get into it. So you know, technology is great because we're just getting we're getting back to recognizing the people who've been around. The highest drop offs this year, the five women who had ranked the highest last year, but didn't make it into the 150 this year due to a variety of reasons. Number five, it is former AEW champion Nyla Rose. Nyla was 36 last year, did not make the list this year. Fourth is Sue Young, who was 33 last year. Third is Fabi Apache, who was 23. Second is Bailey, who was 21 last year and had ranked every year since 2013. This broke Bailey's streak. And number one, biggest drop off, the former Kaylee Ray, Alba Fire. Uh, Kaylee Ray was 17 last year. This year she did not rank, and this was her first time not ranking since she debuted in 2015. Yeah, she just wasn't used a lot. I mean, that's that's why, um, you know, like Rio didn't make it. Um, obviously, Bailey was gone, right? Sue Young was pregnant. Um, and Nyla Rose, I mean, I, we that was one that we really, really wanted to rank, but she was primarily i think almost exclusively used on dark that entire year yeah prior, prior to this current story with jade cargo stealing the belt like what has nyla done in the last 12 months i couldn't tell you she started hanging out with marina shafir and, and if there was a kayfabe explanation for that i missed that too because that just seems like a random thing that just happened right and i mean alba you know kaylee ray she's she's done enough but it hasn't been a busy year for her she's um she's had a, a winning record but the thing with NXT, and it's the same thing with Mandy, is that these these really talented women are then wrestling people who are newer because of the developmental, you know, aspect of NXT. So their their strength of competition isn't as is much, right? If you're if you're um, wrestling Becky Lynch versus wrestling Lash Legend, I mean that's different, right? So. She didn't do a ton. She did quite a bit of um, tag team at the beginning of beginning and middle of the evaluation period, which of course hurts. But yeah, I mean, it just, she was obviously way more pushed in NXT UK. And then when she came over, um, things changed for her, which is sad. Okay. So 15 years of the PWI women's list in total, 354 different women have ranked now on the PWI women's lists. That's about 24 new women per year, which is a testament again to how many places are thriving right now and what a presence the indies are having with streaming and everything else. Yeah, and you know, like we said, it's any given year. Um, there are some people that we've been watching for a while, like Riley Shepard, for instance, that we were just so excited that we could we could put her on there. And some of it just is they don't have titles, especially in the indie scene, or they don't wrestle like masha you know they don't wrestle 300 matches in a year so um those people tend to kind of fall off and and so we're we're seeing like okay some people are injured and they're coming back and then some people are um filling in spots where those injured people were and it's just 
it's it's so nice to be able to put new people on. I mean, we don't let that affect our decisions, obviously, but it's really always nice when we can see new people make the list. We say women, but wrestlers of all marginalized genders do rank on the PWI women's list. This, Although this year, I think Maxie Impaler was the only non-binary wrestler to rank. I th- yes, I believe so. Abaddon didn't rank. Veda Scott didn't rank. I can't think of anyone else who might have. I think you're right. I think that's it. Okay. Well, 15 years at PWI women's list. I said this on Twitter. The only woman to rank every single year since the inception in 2008 is Natalia Neidhart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to guess that too. Obviously, you know, she's been around and the thing about Natalia is she's consistent and she's reliable um, and they lean on her hard because she's willing to help the women in the ring and she's, um, you know, just she's she's a vet, right? She's been around for a long time. So I'm not surprised, honestly. There's some years she's obviously um, been more successful and now it's a little more like, you know, the, the locker room leader, the vet who sort of steps in. But um I mean, she's always deserved where she, where she's been on the list. I mean, she's kind of a staple now over there, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about Natalia like this whenever we did our Total Divas episode. But, like, it feels almost as if, like, you've got your big, you've got your big presences in the women's division of WWE. You have your, like, big superstars at the moment right now. You've got your Becky and you've got your Bianca, and et cetera. But, like, meanwhile, you've just got Natty, like, consistently bringing everything that needs to be brought to the women's division in whatever capacity she needs to bring it. And that included when she, you know, was the default, like, shitster on Total Divas. Like, she's just always, like, for the longest time now, Natty's been the the woman to go to when they need anything happening in the women's division. They they just, she's the person, she's the first stop for Mm -hmm. a lot of the women they're bringing up, too. So, yeah, it makes total sense to me. She is, she's a stalwart of that division, even when she doesn't get to shine on her own. Now, this year she ranked at 81, which was her lowest ranking ever of the 15 years. But 81 out of 150, still almost at the halfway mark. Not, you know, she's not like, she didn't rank at 147 or anything like that. Kristen, how, how much longer do you foresee Natty ranking on the list? How many more years has she got in her? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> because it's not just, it's like we said, it's not just, oh, she can still wrestle, she can still whatever. But it's being presented in credible contests or in title picture situations. Like, she could probably wrestle a match here and there on main event for another 10 years. But that's not going to get you on the list. has been around for so long. And, you know, with um, her guy being such a trainer, I think eventually she probably will be. I mean, she's got so much knowledge and she's really just very technically sound. And I think eventually that could probably be the case. Um, There's so many new talents being pulled up that are younger, not to say you can't wrestle when you're older, but you know, at a certain point, they've really been putting the, the pressure on the younger ones. So I think at some point she probably won't, but it'll probably be because she's not really wrestling much anymore. Well, again, 15 years ranked every single year is a real testament because like we've seen with other people that we've already mentioned, that means that she didn't miss any considerable chunks of time due to injury. She didn't take a year away from the ring to go do something else and come back. She's been steadily around and in meaningful roles for a straight 15 years. Other women have had roadblocks. Second most appearances in PWI women's history is Lufisto. Lufisto's at 14. And the only reason she's not at 15 is that she didn't rank last year. And the only reason she didn't rank last year is because all of Canadian wrestling was shut down due to the COVID pandemic. So it's through no fault of her own. It was just one of those things, this freak global pandemic that nobody expected, (laughs) keeping her out of the history books tragic yeah some might say the most tragic thing to stem from the covid pandemic (laughs) not me i think it's hyperbole but some people might yeah (laughs) yeah totally um yeah and i remember last year we were incredibly sad because we were we i remember specifically looking at her activity and it just 
nope, <laughs> nope. And that was for a lot of people, you know, that was UK too. And a lot of folk, um, and yeah, we were really bummed about it, but then we were really excited this year that we could rank her. So we're glad everyone's back for the most part. Yeah, another long-standing Canadian who made it back on the list this year was Nicole Matthews, who now holds 13 appearances on the PWI women's list. She is tied with Mercedes Martinez, also at 13, and rounding out the top five for most all-time appearances is The Bunny at 12. I don't think she ranked this year, but she did so much in the past in TNA and other companies that she's up there. And it's going to be a couple more years still before any of the four horsewomen start to start to creep into those numbers. Yeah, there's such a strong presence of that, like, indie OGs kind of, you know, present like Mercedes, who I don't think is going to stop until she's dead. Um, and Bunny, too. And, uh, you know, Nicole Matthews is just she is a staple. Um, and it's, it's amazing. Like, I love that women are not feeling like they have to be pushed out because they're not a certain age. I like that they keep going and people are still booking them. Yeah. That's not a stat I, I think you have prepared Harley, but I'm really curious about like over the past several years, what the age demographics have looked like for this list. Mm. It's something we come back to and we talk a lot, um, about in like the past year, especially just like noticing, the like growth of veteran talent amongst the women's divisions in various places, noticing how many women are continuing to wrestle like well past, you know, the point where a lot of them, you know, in the past were pushed out. And I'm interested in how that is reflected in a list like this. It really mm-hmm. is a time capsule of like, we could go back 15 years and look at a list that like has primarily much younger women on it. And now we can look at this and it includes women who are above the age of 35 there are women who have who have had kid or multiple children. Like that's just not something that is likely to be as be say is as likely to be seen on lists that date back, you know, much further from today. Yeah, because thirty five is so old, right? Oh my god, I'm thirty six. Um, but but yeah, like in the case of Mickey James, right? She, I know she, I think she topped the list a while back. Um. But she, too, like, there's, I think a lot of has to do with just fandom, right? Like, the fans want these women. They are consistent. They're great. They haven't lost steam. Um, they can still go with, with the younger wrestlers. And the wrestlers themselves are, like, I, I want a dream match with Mickey James, you know? So they have staying power in a lot of ways. And, like, everyone's so fit, you know? And, like... I look at Mickey James, I look at Mercedes, I'm like, man, I hope I look that good when I'm, you know, in the next 10 years, whatever it is, five years, um, because they just, they really dedicate a lot of their time. And yeah, you're right. I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see over the next couple of years what it's going to look like, because eventually these women are going to leave. Um, and it'll be weird to see what the <laughs> list looks like without them. 15 years of PWI women's lists, only two women have had more than five top 10 appearances. Only two women have placed in the top 10 so many times. Gail Kim, six times in the top 10. Number one, eight top 10 appearances already, Charlotte Flair. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say Charlotte. (laughs) Last year was the only time since she debuted that Charlotte didn't make the top 10. This year she's back. That was uh, highly contested, too, because people have a lot of recency bias. But she did quite a bit um, at the, you know, like the first six, seven months. She did a lot. It uh, was the title holder, all that stuff, um, and then took some time for herself, which good for you, you know. Um, yeah. And I feel like Gail Kim, I don't know, like what I know she she did both. She probably ranked for both WWE and TNA, maybe. But she was, like, the TNA woman for a while. I mean, there were other women on there, but she really took hold and, and made that her own and really owned it. So, you know, she's she's another one of those women. She may not be in the ring, but she still has a lot of staying power. And Charlotte is – people can hate her all they want, but she's undeniable. She made a name for herself, and she's super talented, and WWE loves her. So, of course, she's going to be on the list, you know? 
Yep, Charlotte, most top 10 appearances of anyone in the 15 years, and the highest ranked on average of the past five years. So for this category, I looked only at women who had ranked each of the last five years, and then I added up all five of their scores from those years, averaged them out to find the best five women of the last five years. Number one, Charlotte, with an average ranking of six. Number two, Becky Lynch, with an average ranking of 10. Three, Sasha Banks, with an average ranking of 13. Fourth, not Bailey, no, it's Oscar, <laughs> with an average ranking of 19, which makes sense. We look at like the last five years of women's wrestling, especially in WWE, who's been the most featured, the most titles, the most main events, the most consistently pushed. It's Oscar and the four horsewomen, or in this case, the three horsewomen. In fifth, the fifth best woman of the last five years, bumping EO Sky off the list because EO fell so hard this year, and this woman climbed up the rank even higher, winning the Knockouts Championship, Jordan Grace. An average yeah. ranking of 23 over the last five years. Wow. She's ranked for five years already? Yeah. If you want to look, if you want to use the PWI women's list as an indicator of who are the, over the last five years, which women have appeared consistently and been pushed hard or steadily consistently for the last five years, it's Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Oscar, and Jordan Grace. Wow. What is really, and what's really cool to me about that is Jordan is getting all this push and all this uh, visibility from impact. Mm-hmm. He's not doing time anywhere else. We're stacking up a Impact Knockouts champion against several WWE women's champions, and she's still in that that top five in the past five years. That's really cool. Yeah, and she ranks so high this year, um, well, partly, was because she... Now, granted, we don't consider genderless titles in, in this, but there is influence in the fact that she was the first woman, at least in a while, to compete for almost every single title um, in impact except for the world the men's world title um, which opens up then the ability for other women so she's holding like one of the titles she's competing against women for it so other women were getting to compete for those titles because she was so we were allowed to keep that in as a criteria um, and she's breaking all these barriers because she is so formidable men or women and um, I just Again, she's a consistent staple now. And I know she tweeted out, like, it's all downhill from here. But I don't think so, Jordan. I, I think she's going to keep pushing those boundaries and keep breaking those walls. And I'm just, I'm surprised because I, I, it's just so new still a little bit. Um, but also not surprised because she's just a hard worker. I mean, she is, her match against Masha at yeah. the most recent pay-per-view is my current, at least in Western women's wrestling, is my current, like, top match of the year. So I don't believe it goes downhill from here. I can no. see her occupying that number one spot sometime. Um, I want, and I'd be so curious if she could occupy that number one spot while being impact champion. Cool, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, because to an extent, that's a factor outside of her control as well. It's like right. impact needs to make themselves feel significant enough and like influential enough that you can say like, yeah, holding this title me- meant more in the last year than holding the Raw title or the Stardom title. Yeah. Just theoretically, Kristen, say a woman, say, say Jordan Grace or say someone in her position would you know, be in contendership for number one. And they're in a promotion like Impact. They're not going to be WWE. They're not going to be an AEW. How would they be able to climb the rankings even further? How does Jordan go from six to one if she stays in Impact? Well, I think a lot of it would have to depend on, you know, how they book her, right? So is she having big matches? Because a lot of a lot of the top women are having banger matches. Like, I think her, her match against Masha would certainly count as that. But you think of Shiri... Um, and, you know, Utami, or you think of, you know, Bianca and Becky, like those are big matches that mean a lot. Um, 
And then I think it would also depend on how the women in the other promotions do. It could, you know, with with Triple H, I don't know. It could be that now we're getting really quick um, title changes or they're not holding it for very long or they're not having these big, huge matches. Um, or, you know, in AW, like, I mean, you only really get like one match, right? So, um, you know, if, if they're switching titles a lot, too, or their women are not really holding with the fans a lot. I mean, that could help, too, uh, for Jordan. But it is possible. I mean, it was possible when when Gail Kim ranked, you know, I mean, it's possible. But they would have to make Jordan and themselves, like like Carly said, more, um, you know, reachable and relevant. Yeah, if she's put if she's delivering like three banger matches in a year that has everybody saying like each one of these is match of the year, this one main evented, impacts pay-per-view, and then over on SmackDown, Ronda wins the title and goes away for four months and doesn't appear, or they're playing hot potato with the title on Raw, then the door opens a bit. It's a harder it's arguably a harder fight for someone in impact to get to number one than it is it's almost not not to say it's easy but it's almost easy for becky or bailey to get to number one next year if they win the title and they have uh, you know a great match at wrestlemania with some of the all-time greats in wrestling producing them and agenting the match <laughs> right and money there's money there too yeah the wwe video packages man that's half the match right there <laughs> right um the trons right yeah i think too you know it's it's hard for especially the women for impact, but I think even the men, unless they're also out doing other things, because the roster is pretty small, and they've lost a lot of people this year too. They've lost people, um, so the roster is kind of small. I, they've brought on people like Masha um, and Giselle, but I think they really need to buff up their women's roster as well, the division, in order to get that that um, you know uh, breadth of competition. Otherwise. Otherwise, they're just fighting the same three people over and over again, and that's not going to help them either. The two biggest comeback stories this year, the biggest gaps between the last time they ranked and reappearing on the list this year, it's a tie. Two women, both ranked in 2017, didn't rank in between, and then returned to the list this year. Alex Windsor and Arisa Nakajima. I'm going to trump you on that one and say Jetta. Jetta has not ranked for the last 13 years, <laughs> which which we can talk about the other ones, too. But um, I was really excited to put Jetta on the list because she has been gone since, I think, 2008, 2009. Oh, what is 2008? 2009. Yeah, I missed yeah. that in my notes. It's OK. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. And I only knew that because, well, I was just super excited. She's been um, she's been gone off the list for so long. But the other two as well. Um, you oh, know, four years is nothing. Forget, forget about that. Jetta is the story. <laughs> Princess Diana pro wrestling is the the winner of this one. Yeah, her and. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, what was keeping her off the list in previous years? Um, sorry, I keep coughing. Um, activity. She, I know, in the past years, she's really, um, not wrestled a ton on purpose. Um, and especially. You know, with COVID, obviously, she wasn't wrestling pretty much at all. But she's not one that has a lot of activity. She's she's made it clear that that's sort of her thing. Um, but this last year, you know, Charlie Morgan comes back from retirement. And um, obviously, you know, Bays want to be together. And they, you know, they did tag. But she she won the E title and, and had a really great year. And Alex wins her, too. I mean, she came back and it was like, yes, we were so excited at PWI that she came back um, and and ruled it. And then two, what helps is is that she went over to TJPW and won that title. So yeah, I mean, I'm just happy that Jenna's back and, um, and she had DM'd me uh, for other reasons, but had talked about her and Charlie putting the, the issue in their memory, memory box. <laughs> They're finding an issue. They literally have a memory box, which I think is the cutest thing. So I'm glad that we could put her on the list. Okay, I'm almost done at the end of my stats. We're almost at the end of the episode. The question I asked myself is what percentage of each promotion's roster ranked on the list? Each of these companies has a different number of women, has, you know, main eventers, mid-carters, people who rarely see TV time. WWE Raw, 
And this, okay, and so this is a tricky one with WWE too, because I'm going off of where these women are right now, and I'm going off of the rosters listed on their website. So yeah. we might have people appearing on NXT on a regular basis, but if they're not listed on the page, WWE.com slash superstars, they don't count. <laughs> right, right. Of the current Raw roster, there are 14 women wrestling on Raw these days. 10 of those women ranked. That's 71% of the Raw rosters on the list. The only ones who didn't make it were Bailey, Candice LeRae, Carmella, and Tamina. Spoiler alert, 71%, the highest percentage out of any of these promotions that I looked up. The Raw roster has the most, I guess, top names, one might argue, I guess, on the roster. It surprises me a little bit. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I'll Maybe say this it, as well. The 14 women on Raw, that's the lowest, the smallest roster size out of any of these. True. I was I was just gonna say they they dropped a lot of women with their quote unquote budget cuts. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they have very small uh, roster to work with, which is probably why so many of them are used. SmackDown, a little bit bigger, 16 women on SmackDown, but only nine of those women ranked. That's only 56%. Women who didn't rank include Aaliyah, Bfab, Emma, Lacey Evans, Sonya Deville, Zia Lee, and Selena Vega. Yeah, those all make sense. Yeah, you can't really argue with any of that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> NXT, by comparison, 14 for Raw, 16 for SmackDown, I said. 27 women on the NXT roster, officially. Six of those women ranked. That's 22%, <laughs> uh, the lowest, smallest number out of any of these here. Not really surprising. Yikes. No, it's not. But at the same time, yikes, they got to start using more women. <laughs> yes, the only women in NXT who did rank were the three members of Toxic Attraction, Roxanne Perez, Cora Jade, and Miko Satamura. Wow, it's like totally opposite ends, too, if you think about it. Just like the newer talent, at least to NXT, and then, you know, the vets, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Manny Rose could be called a vet, of WWE at least. So that's really interesting. Now, over the competition, according to AEW's website, there are 26 women wrestling on their roster. 16 of those women ranked, which is more than I would have expected, <laughs> considering they only get <laughs> two televised matches per week. That's right. the 62% of the roster. The only women and non-binary individuals who didn't rank were Abaddon, AQA, who I didn't realize was AEW an employee. The Bunny. Yeah, <laughs> Emmy Sakura, Leva Bates, Layla Hirsch, Madison Rain, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, and Riho did not rank. 16 other women did. That makes sense because um, a lot of, like, you know, like we said, Rio and um, Nyla Rose are used on Dark a ton. Same thing with Emmy Sakura. Emmy has a very uh, active um, schedule with them, but it's always. Almost always, like, not on TV. They use the same woman all the time on TV. And also, they have a, you know, Madison Rain's new, right? So they have a pretty big history of using indie women, which doesn't help them because they don't place them usually on the lists, on their roster. So then we can't even really count them. You know, think of Sky Blue, um, Julia Hart, Will up until recently. You know, you think of these women... Kira Hogan, like all these women who are on TV all the time who are not listed on their roster. <laughs> um, I did stats on just like women's wrestling for the first half of this year, and I'll do it for the second half. And they used 94 women in the first half of this year that were indie. That's crazy. Like they should just increase their their uh, roster or they should use the women they have uh, more frequently. Yeah, it's was troublesome. Uh, it's, it's something that kind of Tampers with or dampens my enjoyment of seeing various uh, indie wrestlers that I love on dark and elevation, et cetera. Is that like for me? Well, one watching those matches, if it's them versus one of the like roster members, you know who's going to win that match, right? But also, right. it's like if you are doing story development on dark and elevation, then you need to be using people who are going to be there consistently so you can build their stories within the division itself and not just give them a win over whomever you brought into that week. 
right? Like you take someone like Layla Gray, who could definitely use to have more stories and more like more interaction amongst her vision mates. And what you put her in a match against someone who's like a, a regional wrestler. And that's cool. It does well for her stats, I guess. But like, it does nothing in the long run when it comes to making a story for her or anything other than what she's doing right now, which is, you know, the story with her and Jade, which was just now she's here. Okay. Now there she is. Okay. There yeah. she is. There she, there she is. And I, I think too, it doesn't really help. I mean, it gives the indie people a paycheck, which obviously helps, but it doesn't help them down the road, you know, like one or two appearances, because not a lot of them, but maybe Sky Blue and them really appeared very often. So that's not really giving them that much experience on TV. Um, And it's certainly if you're going to try to sell this, the only way I I think they could sell this is that it's a tryout, but then none of them are getting hired. So yeah, and people will say things like, well, what about Willow? But Willow wasn't that case because Willow had ROH pedigree. Right. And she had, wow, she was on TV yeah. already. Yeah. So, yeah. yep, she already had that. So, yeah, it's it's the problem with, with that structure that they have right now. And it's the problem overall with how they, they utilize their division. It's why people like Emmy, who are doing, you know, stalwart work for them on their YouTube shows, who are having great matches when they're given the time to do so, it, it's why women in her position aren't getting the credit and aren't getting placed on a list like this because they're just, they're not getting any visibility beyond, beyond what the YouTube channel. And it's just, it's not, it's not enough. And it's not, it's, it's really, it's just not fair. Like it just, it continually becomes the sore point of like, you have these people who are doing good work for you and you don't, and they're part of your division, but you don't make them, you don't bring them into a spot where most people are going to see them. Right. I feel like it's almost I wouldn't say an afterthought, but, you know, they do put a lot of tag matches on there, too. And that's part of what was the issue with Bunny was she was put in so many tag matches on on the YouTube channels. And like that doesn't do anything for them and their stats. And it sort of feels like well, we, we need to make sure that they're working. Um, but then they're just thrown into that. And like how how you know, how does that help anybody really? Um I don't know, man. I, I think that there's a lot of work to do over there, but also like I've thought that for years and it's like just being the dead horse at this point. So maybe, yeah, maybe the ROH, yeah, maybe the ROH acquisition might help it a little bit, but we'll see. <laughs> Last promotion I looked at for this little segment is Impact. According to Impact's website, they have 16 women on the roster at the moment. 11 of those women are on the PWI Women's 150. That's 69%. That is like 69. Nice. <laughs> it's better than AEW, better than SmackDown, second only to Raw. The only women in Impact at the moment who didn't make it on the list were Jessica Havoc, Killer Kelly, Taylor Wilde, Alicia Edwards, and Sue Young. And it's like Killer Kelly and Taylor Wilde just showed up in Impact recently. Alicia's ostensibly enhancement talent or like wrestles very rarely. Sue Young was pregnant for most of the year and Jessica Havoc is was take champ at one point, but really has only started to do like a new storyline recently. Yeah, Jessica. Yeah. Um, Jessica, yes. Yeah. Justice for Jessica. <laughs> I, it's so funny because I'm just so used to seeing like goth Havoc, you know, not this. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Uh, they're really good about using everybody at Impact. Um, well, you know, for the most part, uh, they're really good at using everybody. Um, I think their tag division has really hurt this year, which might be why their singles division has increased. I don't know, but, um, they have lost some people too, which I think might be why their numbers have, have been so good because now they have to use everybody. Yeah. They just, I think lost this. You know, just in the past, like, what, six to eight months, they lost a fair amount of people who, I, I, I don't know, I, I hope that she ends up back, um, in WWE or NXT or wherever. Um, it, it, uh, saddened me that Mio Yim left where I felt like the, her momentum was really carrying an impact and it mm-hmm. felt like we were just on the cusp of her, like, really being able to maybe get, like, a real, like, run at the title again, like, 
there just felt to be so much more potential for her in Impact. I understand her leaving, and the rumors are that, like, she's wanted back um, at WWE, but, like, I just, I don't, I see her ranking here at 133, and I think Mia Yim, if her momentum at Impact had continued carrying into into 2023, I could completely see her ranking go go further up. But I guess that's true, too, if she, you know, they do good things with her elsewhere. Yeah, and you know, like I mean, they've they've lost Lady Frost essentially, right? They've lost um, the inspiration. They lost Madison Rain. They, I mean, they lost to Neil, right? They lost so many people um, that, and they haven't been filling those gaps, which is, you know, they got to do that if they want to be considered one of the best divisions in the world. Yeah, and it surprises me that they haven't been like very quickly filling those gaps because for a while there, it felt like there was no. And the amount of women that they would be putting into impact that it felt like every other every other week there was another signing. I, yeah. And I feel like maybe they'll do that again. It's just maybe it was a they needed to quiet that down for a little while. OK, my final category. Last statistics of the show. Obviously, as we would expect, the women's list was dominated largely by WWE, AEW, Impact stardom they're the big four in women's wrestling right now outside of those four promotions who were the highest ranked women on this year's list number one was tokyo joshi pros miyu yamashita number two was the face of the nwa camille three was british independent wrestler alex windsor fourth was shoko nakajima also of tjp Fifth was CMLL's Princessa Sushit. I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't either. <laughs> I'll be honest. And then sixth, Emily, our dear beloved friend, according to the PWI staff, the best woman wrestling on the American independent scene right now. They call her Hyann. Yep. Yep. According to my mother-in-law, the most beautiful woman in wrestling. I, I can see that. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, 33 on the PWI Women's 150, 2022, that's, that's pretty good. But, Hyen, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> you made my mother-in-law's list of number one most beautiful woman in wrestling. So, just <laughs> Yes. <laughs> right? That's the limit. <laughs> the only women ranked higher than her in America... We're either in WWE, AEW, Impact, or is Camille. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's, so like, she's it's, she's got to be a new Impact signing next year. Come on. I'd hope. I can't believe they have. I, honestly, it shocks me that they haven't already signed her. How many of her contemporaries have been signed? Right. Um, but I guess maybe it's also the ROH thing of like she was doing type of ROH. Maybe she was unavailable that way. I don't know. What? Maybe she doesn't want a major contract, but it just like it. Guys, what 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 are people missing here? Right. I'm just out there doing amazing work. Why? What what is going on? Well, she wrestled for Impact like what twice. Yeah. Um, on their taping. Yeah. So it's and against like Giselle and Mickey, not like you know just anyone. Um. But then her match against Mickey wasn't like really short. Oh, probably. It was like four minutes long, so much so that I was like excited to watch it, and then I said, no, forget it. There's no point. <laughs> oh, it's two minutes, 39 seconds. Oof. Oof is right. Hyen, like, she's really great. Like, she's been everywhere. She even made it over in the UK this last year. Um, It's crazy. Like, I love her to death, don't get me wrong, and I think she deserves it, but she's got, like, this huge following. We did an interview with her like a couple years ago for Bells Bells, and we're still getting so many views on that. There are a lot of people, I think, that have like this huge crush on her or just this huge following because she's like, she's really got the views. And I mean, I, I'm not surprised. She's so talented. But um, yeah, like I think she's going to be like, keeps going up, keeps going up. I think she's someone, and not to make this an exclusively high-end fandom corner, but, like, I think she is someone, and I think that there's probably other examples on this list, that they, because she hasn't been signed by a major company, because she's not, like, locked into some, like, TV deals, she ends up becoming someone's perpetual discovery, right? They're 
watching a show, like they're watching a show for promotion, and she, like, she happens to be there. They follow UK wrestling, and she pops up there finally. Like, she is a great example of somebody who could, in a even sounder wrestling ecosystem, be queen of the indies. You know, right. I think this is a territory where there are men who've definitely done this, male wrestlers who have definitely like made their big name in wrestling from purely independent promotion appearances. If we have the same infrastructure for women's wrestling, Hyen could be that. She could be the queen of the indies instead of, you know, someone that we keep wondering why she hasn't been signed by a major company. We could not even have to ask that question because it's like, why, why do that when you can just make your name everywhere? Right. And, you know, like, yes, Masha is signed, but she didn't have that many matches at, at Impact this year um, in in the evaluation period. But she wrestled so much, like over 100 matches and like a gazillion. I mean, I'm not kidding, like probably easily 30 or 40 different promotions. And that's what gets her at number 14. Right. Is because she has incredible depth of com- competition and she's everywhere. Um, and I, I think she's at, like wrestling at two different places at the same time sometimes. And that helps. Like, you know, it is just basic visibility thing. And I think Hyen, you know, she doesn't wrestle as much, but she does spread her appearances around. And, and I think you're right. I think it does help them. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at GritGlitterPod. Kristen, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kristen Ashley. Uh, Kristen with a K and an E and an N, and there's no E in Ashley. Um, that's where I post all my stuff. Please also follow official PWI, PWI's Twitter account. Um, buy, 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 buy the women's uh, 150 issue. That's how we get paid. Yeah, there's still um, lots of other women ranked that we didn't even talk about. Right. And like we also have this incredible feature. It's basically scouting reports for every area of the globe. Um, so please go buy that pwi-online.com. You can get the digital copy today or print pre-order, which would come out pretty soon. Um, yeah. And then keep your eye on official PWI and my social accounts. We've got some cool interviews related to the 150 coming out soon. This Sunday, Pro Wrestling Vibe is back with Prime Time Vibes. Edith Surreal versus Killing Murphy. Trisha Dora versus Logan Easton LaRue. Brooke Valentine versus Erica Lee versus Ziggy Hyam are among the matches on the card. It's a good show. They're one of our favorite promotions. We'll be talking about that next week. Back here, same grit time, same grit channel. And don't forget our Patreon. <laughs>